Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Let's go to the Word together quickly tonight. And again, if you're a guest here, by the way, let me add my welcome to that of Bruce. And uh, thank you all for praying right through this whole season. Uh, I'm certainly excited about uh, the rest of this year and leading into next year. It's been a massive year in the life of our church. I don't know a year where I think we've seen so much change, good change, uh, so much stuff happening. I'm heading off to Cambodia really early tomorrow morning uh, to our three and a half thousand kids. I'll be going to some of our nativities up there. Uh, last year I went to one where the nativity uh, involved mermaids, crayfish, uh, all kinds of stuff. I'm not quite sure how that got into the nativity. But, you know, they don't have sheep up there, so maybe they just thought, well, we'll use the animals we do know. Uh, but this year we're doing it quite differently, where instead of uh, giving gifts to all of our kids in the program, the 3,500 of them, and their families, we've asked every one of the 37 centres to find worthy people in their community, people that are in need. So I know one of them is a single mum who who's, I don't think her children go to transform, but uh, she's got no transport at all. And so the set of families have got together and have bought her a moto, which is like a scooter. So that's going to be massive. I hope uh, I probably won't have the video for you next Sunday, but the Sunday after... I'll have some video. So I'm looking forward to seeing the way that's going. So keep praying. You know, hope will touch about a thousand people over this Christmas period. Uh, then combine that with the three and a half thousand up there in Cambodia. And as a church, our reach is absolutely huge. So let's just keep believing for people's lives uh, that God will touch them. I believe that God's got something exciting along the way. Anyway, let's keep going. We are speaking this month on Emmanuel. Can I stop one more time? Just can I say a big thank you? These guys are about to put up the scripture. We've got such an amazing team of volunteers in this church. Uh, I emailed through my notes for tonight, but somewhere along the way, the email demon ate them. And uh, so they didn't appear at all. That's the second time this year. And so I turned up with these paper ones that I print out for myself. And our CG team, nobody went, oh, not again. Oh, well, hello. Uh, They just said, we got this. And uh, they've been back there typing all this out all over again. So give our uh, team up there, Amanda and and, uh, Peter and... And Brian, I think, back there and whoever else. They're just really quite incredible. Uh, there's so many people it takes to make a service be brilliant, and I just love them and appreciate them. All right. So here you go, Amanda. Let's get it up. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse uh, 23 says this. Behold, just verse 23, if you would, yeah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So we've been speaking this whole month on Emmanuel, started this morning. By the way, in case you're wondering how come the invitation card is spelled E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L, and that verse is I-M-M, it's not because we don't know how to spell, it's because in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word Emmanuel is E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L, and in the Greek, which the New Testament 
was written in, it's IWM. Same word, exactly the same meaning, God with us. I just thought I'd clear that up. So, you know, we do know what we're doing and we can spell, all right? So God with us, but tonight I want to take a slightly different tack on this because God with us doesn't mean God does everything for us. I I wish that was so. I wish I could stand up here tonight and tell you, come to Jesus and he will take care of everything. You can go to sleep. You can have a rest. Don't worry about anything in your life because he's going to do the whole lot. I'd love to tell you that. I'm maybe going to be speaking a message somewhere this month on the things we wish were automatic but aren't. Uh, Because there's so much in my life that I keep telling Jesus that he ought to take care of. But somehow or other, he wants to involve me in his world and in his plan. So I want to read to you a couple of people out of the Christmas story. And then I want to speak to you tonight about focus in your life. And the importance of that and what it'll do for you and what God wants to use that for, for his plan and purpose. Are you with me? So come on, let's get into this. Matthew chapter 2, the very next chapter, verse 9. You know these guys. It says, After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house. This is not the manger. This is sometime after. They entered the house where the child with his mother Mary was. They bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chest. They didn't open a little coin purse. They opened their treasure chest. Pastor Bruce made reference to gold, frankincense and myrrh. I read a study years ago done by some theologians who said that it was probably the equivalent of $400 million worth of of goods. And you go, well, that's a bit ridiculous. But see, they thought they were coming to a king. Now, I don't know when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jesus how much it was. All I know is it was a lot more than a rattle and a pair of booties. It was a lot more than a little spoon with Jesus' name engraved on it. It was a lot more than a lovely little, what do you call those things, little clothes, things they give baby things, clothes, things, onesies or whatever. It was a lot more than that. Well, Jesus took three and a half years with 12 disciples and their families. Peter had a wife, so many of the disciples did. And for three and a half years, and they had a treasurer. You don't have a treasurer if you've got no money. You only have a treasurer if you've got some. So my thinking is, at any rate, that these wise men, anyway, that's a sidebar there. They opened their treasure chest, gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Let's go to the next character in the Christmas story. Luke 2, verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, I wish I had the time to spend on the gap between verse 25 and verse 27. 
It says, verse 25, the Holy Spirit was on him. It was on him before, verse 27. The Holy Spirit was on him, but it came to that day. The Spirit led him to the temple. This is not a man who's got one single moment of devotion. He's not a man who's occasionally having a God moment, but this is a man who walks with God every day. The Spirit was on him before he saw Jesus. The Holy Spirit was on him before that great day. He was walking with God on the very ordinary days. I'll come to that a bit more later. But it says that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. Oh my goodness, I'd love to stop there, but I can't. The fact that this man walks with the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit of God is on him and he gets led to the temple so that at the right moment when the thing that he was born for was happening, he's there, right moment, right time. How many people want to be in the right place at the right time? I don't want to miss it because I didn't walk with God on Wednesday. I don't want to miss it because I only walk with God on Sunday between 9.30 and 11 and between 5 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. Amen. I don't want to miss God because I, some days I walk with God. The other days, well, sorry, God, I'm busy with life. And we, it's not that we got to spend every day in church. That's not it. But it is walking with God every day. Anyway, Simeon's there. He took the child in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. This is towards the end of his life. His entire life for one moment. Think about that. I wonder if your moment is somewhere up ahead. I don't want to assume that at my age, whatever your age may be, I don't want to assume that the great things I've seen God do in my past are all there is to see. For all I know, the greatest day of my life is not yet happened. Well, I absolutely believe that. I believe that the greatest days of this church are not the ones back where we filled the entertainment centre, because we did. It's not back when we had all these great things in the city, because we did. But I believe that the greatest days of this church lie ahead of it. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you've promised. I have seen your salvation, which you prepared for all people. He's a light to reveal God to the nations. This man has got no idea what he prophesies. You've got to remember he's a devout Jew. And he believes that only the Jewish people are the called of God. And yet his prophetic word, the prophetic word begins to speak nations, plural, not nation, singular. He's not saying this out of his head. He's not saying, well, I think on a next Sunday night when we have prophetic ministry, we won't be coming and giving you our opinion, the things that we think, the ideas that we want to advise you on. We are believing for clarity to come supernaturally by the Holy Spirit to everyone that's there. You may get clarity right there in the service through something that's spoken, but I tell you this, I know you'll get clarity, whether it's there or later, the Holy Spirit will come as we make ourselves available to Him. And then He goes, I've got to get past this. None of this is in the notes yet. 
and he's the glory of your people Israel. Let me read the next one, the last one. This is Anna. She's a prophetess. And Luke 2, the next couple of verses, verse 36, Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband had died when she'd been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. This is a long, long time again. She never left the temple, stayed there day and night, worshipping God with fasting and prayer, never seeing anything that God had promised. Again, all of this life, all of this devotion for one minute, here it is in verse 38, she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. We showed the video last Sunday of Yvonne Mulder sitting right here in the second row and the young couple that came in for help and you gave them that help and helped them get a hotel. The young mum she was is pregnant and they're homeless and it's a brilliant story but one of the most profound ones, an amazing story. We showed the video and, and I don't know if it's up on the, on the YouTube channel. Maybe you can check it out on there. But she told this story about how they said, you know, thank you for your help, but we, we're planning to have the, the baby aborted because there's no way right now we can, we can carry this child. You know, we don't have any money. We've got no facilities. My, she hasn't got the strength. And Yvonne says, I didn't know what to say, but I felt I had to say something. And so she spoke to them about the, this child and what it could mean. Well, they phoned up. This is only a matter of a, two months ago, something like that. They phoned up and said, we want to come and say thank you to you. And when they turned up, it wasn't just the man and it wasn't just his wife, but it was with their three-year-old son because it was three years ago that this couple had come. And I wonder about moments like that. And I wonder whether you came along just as this was unfolding, but you came along. Isn't it funny? See, Simeon is there because the Holy Spirit led him to the temple. Why does God put stories in there like this? Because see, we all want to be led to the temple. She wasn't led to the temple. She was just there. She was just there. Let me read it to you again. It says, she came along. Not the Holy Spirit didn't say, go up there to that conversation. Because some of us, we think the only way God can lead us is if He tells us where to go. But sometimes you're going to be in the right place at the right time just because you're one of God's kids. Just because you're a believer and a follower of Christ, you're going to be in the right place at the right time. And sometimes you don't even know. That young couple went away. You never saw them again. No idea what happened about them. Three years later, they turn up and say, thank you, not just for the help you gave, but for the words you gave, because he's the result. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who'd been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Unbelievable insight in the wise men, Simeon and Anna. Unbelievable insight for sure. But can I just take your mind to a slightly different place tonight? 
Because I think most of us think, well, you know, if I saw a star, I'd follow Jesus. Well, you know, if the Holy Spirit led me to the temple. Well, you know, if if I'd been there fasting and praying. But, you know, I think it's a bigger story than that. Because these three people just didn't have unbelievable insight and revelation. They had unbelievable focus. Imagine how this story would have played out without that focus. Imagine wise men on a journey. It took them a long time. It wasn't go next door. It wasn't cross a suburb. They traversed nations in a time when travel was very slow. Walking pace of the camel. And they went there and they did that one day at a time. But imagine if they'd been some of us. Are we there yet? Oh, I've been going for so long. How much further? Oh, you know, are you sure that's the right star? Sure that's not a plane? You know, maybe it's the pinky one over there. I don't know. It doesn't seem to be moving much. All I know is that these people had the focus not just to start a journey, but they had the focus to finish one. Simeon has waited his entire life. He's now an old man ready to die. And he spent his whole life every single day. Imagine every child coming into church. And he goes, is that it? Is that the one? Is that it? You know, I wonder if by day, you know, 300, I wonder if other people were saying to Simeon, Simeon, are you sure you heard God? Are you sure you got this right, Simeon? Simeon, maybe what the Lord was speaking metaphorically, maybe what he was really meaning was, I don't know about you, but I've discovered that there's a whole lot of people and there's a whole lot of thoughts that want to come to talk you out of your vision. They want to talk you out of your revelation. You got a word about your family that they will be saved, that they'll walk with God. And you know, well, you know, maybe and whatever. And oh, and people get all kinds of things can come their way to try and talk them out of it. Think about Anna. You know, well, you know, I've been fasting and praying and believing God, but maybe it's for another time. Maybe it's for another generation. And sometimes we postpone what God wants to do because we lack the focus to see it happen in our time and place. The truth is, sometimes the only difference between a good intention and a fulfilled vision is focus. I want to speak to you about focus tonight from a spiritual perspective. I want to speak to you about what God has spoken to your life. I want to talk to you about what are the unfulfilled things in your life? What are the dreams that God has put inside of you? You know, uh, I have so many, and this is 30 years we celebrated this year, this church, from starting from zero. And there's been highs and lows, and there's been good days and tougher days, and all kinds of things have taken place. But you know, I don't, I don't want to allow the enemy to talk me out of the word that the Lord put in my heart way back there before we'd ever come to Perth, ever. Before I'd ever been there. The only person I ever met from Perth had all they had to say was negatives about the city, about the terrible weather and all the rest of it. It rained all winter and all the rest of that. I'd never been there. The only other thing I'd ever read about Perth was in a National Geographic magazine where they said it was the most isolated city geographically on the planet 
furthest from a city of comparable size of any other city in the world. That was all I knew. But God put a word in our hearts so much that we put our house on the market, came with our two little kids and, and flew, couldn't fly here direct, flew via, I think, Melbourne or somewhere rather to get here, met people we'd never, well, I'd never met them at all. Rhonda had met the wife. Stayed with them for 10 days while we looked for a house. And way back there, there was a dream and there was a vision. Now, listen to me. I don't know what yours is. Has God spoken to you about something great that he wants to do through your life? Has he spoken to you? And here you are now, a Simeon or an Anna. The years have rolled on. And now you're saying to yourself, well, Lord, where's that? God, why hasn't that happened yet? God, where's that thing? God, maybe, and if you're not careful, we can start to manipulate it and start to allow the enemy to reform God's vision into our possible. I'll say that again. If we're not careful, we will allow the enemy to reform God's vision into our possible what we think can happen, what we think is likely, what we think we can accomplish. What's unfulfilled in your life right now? What do you believe God has spoken to you about? These people heard a word and followed it every single day. Sometimes the only difference between an intention and a fulfilled vision is just the focus to do it Every single day. Here's the second thing. Is that every vision, every dream encounters distractions. They're not always bad things. They're not always horrible things. But focus always will get tested. These guys, the wise men, before they get to uh, Jesus' house where the child is, they stop off with Herod. This is what he's got to say. In Matthew 2 verse 7, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. Now he's the king of that whole area. And you imagine you're a visitor to the country. I've been to, I think, 25, 28 something countries of the world. Never once when I have checked in tomorrow, I'll be in another one. And when you, I've never once had them, you know, I don't expect tomorrow when, well, it'd be nice if it did. If I got called into Canberra, can you imagine I go up and hand up my passport and they said, by the way, uh, Prime Minister Hun Sen would like to meet with you. And I get to go and sit with Hun Sen, the Prime Minister of Cambodia, and get to talk to him. And he says, well, you know, what can I do for you, Pastor? How can I help you? You know, I just want to know what's God been speaking to you about. And I go, well, one nation one day in Cambodia would be a really amazing thing. And he goes, certainly let me help. But sorry, I just got away there with another thought. <laughs> then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. He told them to go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child. When you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. It's a distraction. Come on, get this here. You know, every single, if you ever step up to serve God, and lots of you have, I tell you now without a doubt, I've watched it with staff over the years. They'll come on staff, the next thing that always happens is a distraction will arise. Always. I'm not prophesying, I'm just saying that's usually what happens. You know, a distraction arises and all of a sudden this goes wrong. That doesn't work. I've seen it so many times now that when it happens, I just go, and what else? Huh? Listen to me. 
we all would like, we all would like our journey to be one straight step after another in a straight line. But it's almost never that. So you, are you hearing me? You can get distracted. This is going wrong. There's a whole lot of stuff I've learned. Just I just go, and? Not my business. I don't have any say to that. There's a whole lot. There's a reason why I seldom hear much gossip. It's because I'm really not bothered about who's doing what in the planet. Apart from I know what God's called us to do. Let's go about that. Amen. Let's go about that in Jesus' name. And make sure we see it. So every vision, every dream will encounter distractions. How are you? You know, uh, how are you with rubbernecking? That's what they call it, don't they? I remember being on the freeway coming back from Mandurah, I think it was. One day I'm coming back from Mandurah and I'm, the traffic was absolutely dead stop for kilometres. And I'm thinking, oh, my, I'm honestly thinking, a, bit, a bus is overturned and there's passengers lying all over the place because, you know, and they've shut all the lanes. I, I, I finally, uh, uh, three quarters of an hour later, get to the, the bottleneck and it's a guy sitting in the emergency lane with his hazards on. But nobody in Perth can drive past a distraction. <laughs> Come on, give me a witness in the building. Come on, they can't drive past the distraction. They're going to they're go. Huh? The number of times that's happened, you go all the way back there and go, really? There was nothing. The guy didn't even, he hadn't broken down. He's just got his hands on. Are you rubbernecking your way through life? Well, you know, so-and-so did this and they've got this and I never got that and this is happening. Or are you able to just to say, God, that's what you called me to do. I'm going to do that. Amen. You can't be everything, but you can be the best you. Here's number three, third thing. Focus in the ordinary days is what takes you to the special days. Oh, look, I know that's not really, you know, no one's going to swing from the chandeliers on that or from the gold stars. Huh? We don't got to go, oh, yeah, that's so awesome. What'd you do today? Read my Bible. What'd you do today? Prayed. What'd you do today? Went to church. It's not exactly life-altering moments. Uh, you know, I pray we'll never be the kind of church that comes to church every Sunday and measures it. Yeah, I didn't really like that new song much. You know, well, I don't know. I thought the bridge was just... Mm. Bridge, by the way, that's a musical term for something. Like I would know. But you know what I mean? Some people come to church and they're there the whole time. They're God's inspectors. I thought he spent too, far too long on point one. We well, didn't even have point one. I don't know where he was going with that. You know? Well, I don't know. I thought the usher, you know, I didn't like the new host uniform. You know, and, and, and the, you know, the worship went too long. What about that little bit in the middle where no one knew what was going on? I've had people, I've had people say to me, I didn't really like the worship. I said, good. They said, what do you mean? I said, well, we weren't doing it for you. They went, oh. I said, it wasn't about you, it was about him. We're worshipping him, not you. And they go, oh. <laughs> Are you with me here? Come on, come on. I know, I know I'm preaching really well. Focus in the ordinary days takes you to the special days. Anna and Simeon do the same thing every day. Go to the temple, pray and wait. 
What'd you do today? I went to the temple. What'd you do? Prayed. What'd you pray for? The Messiah. Has he come yet? Not yet. What are you going to do tomorrow? I'm going to the temple. What are you going to do? I'm going to pray. Are you going to do anything else? Yeah, I'm going to wait. Who for? I'm going to wait for the Messiah. Has he turned up yet? And can you imagine, look, most people can do that for about a week. Two weeks. The really, really OCD people amongst us can do it for a month. (laughs) Anna is 84. 84. Is anybody here 84? I can't see anybody who looks close to 84. Huh? I had a guy at Levers two weeks ago who said to me, he's obviously struggling a bit with some substance he'd ingested. He said to me, are you 35? I said, I said, yeah, reach leg. I felt like saying no, but can you pass some more of that around? But I didn't, I didn't say that, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. She's 84, 84 doing the same thing. Can you listen to me? I'm serious about this. Can you keep going every day? Luke 4 verse 16, it won't be up on the screen, but it says this, Jesus as was his custom. I've often pondered about the fact that Jesus' birth gets a whole lot of press, massive, massive stories in the Gospels. His death, every Gospel. And almost nothing in between, apart from when he's 12. So from the age of birth to 12, zip. One little highlight to let you know he's still there at year 12. Then 18 years of nothing. And I used to think, God, how come you let the Messiah have 18 years of doing nothing? Until I read Luke 4.16 and realised he wasn't doing nothing. He was building the life of ministry one day at a time. Because scripture says he learned obedience by the what he went through. He wasn't doing nothing for 18 years. He was building what took place in the three and a half years of ministry. And yet most of us, we want God to swoop down and do the whole lot. Not next day go to the temple. See, not all fear of missing out is bad if it keeps you focused in life. Amen. I don't know about the rest of you here. One of the things that just keeps me going is I go, well, God, you promised it. I haven't seen it. So I think I'll just take the next step. And I'd love to tell you that every day I'm so full of zing and zest and energy and faith. Some days, most days I am. But I have some days where I go, oh God, God, what was that? You know, and then I go into, usually for me, I I read the Bible every morning, read the Bible through in a year. And some days I read and go, I have no idea what that's about, being honest. Other days I read, it's like it just lights up, speaks to me. I, I don't know that I can go a day really in my life without in some way or other the Holy Spirit lightening something up to my life. I feel it all the time. I feel it about the last year in the life of this church. I just feel like the Lord says, stop looking there, stop looking there, just keep going. Just keep going. I feel like you just gets, just keep going. I felt it there tonight standing here in the surface, just keep going. Just keep going. And I don't know where the breakthrough moments are for you. I just know you'll never get to them if you stop for every distraction or for every difficulty. Here's number four. Focus is the necessary companion to faith. There's a story Jesus, well, it wasn't a story. It actually happened. Jesus was 
the instrument of it, John chapter 9. And verse 6 is where this blind man, uh, you know, is, is absolutely in such a, uh, well, he, he's, he's blind. And chapter 9, verse 6 is when he said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva, anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And watch this, verse 7. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, if you go and have a look at John 9, you'll see where Jesus was, was at the Temple Mount. I've been there. He's at the Temple Mount. I've measured on a map the distance, because you can know where the Pool of Siloam is. The distance from Temple Mount to the Pool of Siloam is at least one kilometre, and depending what corner of Temple Mount he was at, what entrance gate, it could have been as much as a kilometre and a half. So he wasn't saying, listen, go find the fountain just next door, go to the puddle, go to the first house and ask him for a jug of water. He actually tells him, Think about this. Jesus doesn't say go anywhere. Go just wash it off. The miracle was not in the water. The miracle was in his obedience to the journey. I'll say that again. The miracle was not in the water. The miracle was in his obedience to the journey. He goes up to a kilometre and a half. And I wonder how many pots of water, how many ponds and how many puddles he would have passed. I'll give you this just quickly. If the enemy can't stop you, he'll always try to distract you. And if the enemy can't distract you, he'll try to get you to settle for second best. If he can't stop you, he'll try to distract you. If he can't distract you and get you occupied like that, he'll always try and get you to settle for less than what the word of the Lord was to your life. Here's the last one here, number five. Being focused doesn't mean no change or further input. The Christmas story's actually got a lot of twists and turns. The wise men don't go back to Herod because they have a dream from the Lord saying, don't go back there. He means evil against the child. And so they go another way and Herod doesn't wake up to it and that they're not coming back. And, and then at the same time, Mary and Joseph, who are called in Israel, God says, go to Egypt. Now, telling a Jew at that time, go down to Egypt, the whole of the minor prophets is full of warnings. Go, don't go down to Egypt. Joseph would know all that. Don't go down to Egypt. But this time the word of the Lord is go down there. And this man, Joseph, takes his wife and Jesus and he adjusts his plans. So I'm not suggesting to you tonight that focus is some kind of bullheaded, stubborn, I'm just going to keep on going, I don't care. It's not about that. It's about saying the word will not change. The promise doesn't change. But sometimes the journey will, listen to me, because some of you here, you're, you're, listen, I know what I'm saying right now to be so, not out of my head because I've had conversations, but from the Holy Spirit. I know there's people here and right now where you are, you're going like, hello, this looks like, this looks like God found reverse gear instead of forward gear. How come I thought I was going there, now I'm going there? Trust God with the journey you're on. Don't allow the fact that your plans, come on, are you with me here? Don't allow the fact that your plans aren't working out the way you thought become the stumbling block for your life. The goal remains the same. The journey gets adjusted. What has God given you as a promise? A loved one to be saved? There'll be people here like that tonight. God's promised you that. Your loved ones are going to be born again. They're going to come to Christ. They're going to worship God. Don't give up because right now they're out building a bigger testimony. 
Right now, they're out there having a bigger story to tell when they come to Christ. Don't let that distraction become the thing that stops you believing. Just get up every day. Lord, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. I think one of the greatest statements a Christian ever makes is this one. This is what I believe. I believe this in Jesus' name. I believe blessings coming my way in the name of Jesus. You know, this church, there's been a few verses all the way along 30 years that have spoken to my life and I've, I keep going back to them. I remember one point where I, I'd got to the stage where I wanted to, well, I wanted to pack it all in and I would have, except my wife said to me, you can't. And I said, well, I can. She said, no, you can't. And I said, I can. She said, no, you can't. And I said, yes, I can. She said, no, you can't. And I said, what do you mean I can't? She said, you can't. I go, why can't I? She said, because you haven't done what God sent you to do. And I went, oh, fair enough. <laughs> I, might, I might be thick, but I'm not dense. And, uh, and so I remember that was a turning point. I started getting up every day and I'd go for a walk in the morning before anybody, nobody was out walking at that time of the day. I'd go out and I'd declare three things. I'd declare that Jesus is Lord of everything. I declare the fields are white under harvest. And if the fields were white, then there was people waiting for someone to bring the gospel to them. And then I began to declare that he said, I'll build my church. And I thought, well, if you're going to build it, I don't have to sweat all over it. I'm just going to stand back. I'm going to be involved. But Lord, you're going to build it, not me. And those things have been things that have captured my heart. Can I bring them to you again? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. If Jesus is Lord, you're not. We were laughing the other day because when my granddaughter Evie was only a little child, she was in the back of the car colouring in. And I was singing this song that came out of the dim, dark past. It's, it's out of scripture and it says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything, is there anything too hard for me? And I'm singing this, behold, I am the Lord. And all of a sudden out of the back seat came a little voice saying, oh, no, you're not, granddad. You are not the Lord. <laughs> we still love about that. Can I say to you tonight lovingly, you're not the Lord? So stop trying to be it. Just say, Jesus, you're Lord. Jesus, your Lord, fields are white and the harvest. There's people all around about us that are just hoping somebody will say, can I pray with you? Can I talk to you? Can I invite you? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Come on, let's pray together. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your goodness, for your blessing. Lord, I pray for, for just people here in this place in the name of Jesus that are going through twists and turns of the journey. Just right now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you tonight, you go, Pastor, would you pray for me? I've got all this stuff. I'm not quite sure. I don't have clarity. Well, why should we wait for next Sunday for God to bring clarity to your life? You might say, you know, I've got all this stuff and there's all these distractions and I don't know. And, you know, I'm finding it hard just to get that stability in my life. Can I pray for you right where you are? If that's you, just lift your hand up. I'm going to pray. not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you right where you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yep, 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 yep. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, mate. Yep, I see your hands. Awesome, well done. Great. Father, for those people in the name of Jesus, would you touch them tonight? Holy Spirit, would you do something wonderful in their life? 
Would you whisper to them again right now? Just right now. Listen to the Lord right now where you are. Because I hear the Holy Spirit just saying this to many of you that lifted your hands. I hear him say this. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Some of you have been wondering, well, did I miss God? Did I get a wrong turn back there? Did I get the wrong star? But I hear the Holy Spirit saying, I'm with you. Maybe that doesn't give you all the clarity about everything in the whys and the hows, but it'll certainly give you enough clarity for tomorrow. I'm with you. I'm with you in Jesus' name. Father, help them, I pray. Help all of us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Every one of us here will have something that we're on the journey to, and we don't know how we're going to get there or what it's going to look like, but would you help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for anybody here in this place that doesn't know you. They've never taken a step of acknowledging their need of you. Maybe, Lord, all they think of is that you are some kind of religious creation. Almost like, well, you're a sociological construct. We, we created God because humans need to believe in a divine power. But Jesus, it wasn't a divine power that hung on a cross. And died. It wasn't a divine power that made 12 disciples leave their jobs for three and a half years and then lay down their life. It, it's not just a divine power that causes people to surrender their life. It's because you're the Savior. And you want to save them. You want to save them despite their intellect or ignorance. Thank you for helping us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Look this way for a minute. I'm always so excited. I I doubt if there's a day where I don't think about the fact that God loves people more than people can imagine. God doesn't love church people, do you? I don't know if you know that, but it's true. I'm sure He loves church people. But He doesn't love only church people. A lot of people think that. They think that God loves good people. But it's not so. Scripture says this. It says, for God's the loved It's people like your friend who have no idea what life looks like and how they're going to go. It's people that have got all kinds of challenges in life. It's people that have never had anything to do with Christianity and people that think it's all hocus pocus or whatever. And the Bible just says God still loves every single one. I love the fact that God is so close. It's almost like He's stalking people in the best sense of the word, up close with them. Because the Bible doesn't say God's a long way away. You don't have to go up to heaven to find Him or go down to hell and drag Him up from there. It says this, it says, The word of faith is near you even in your mouth. He's as close as your breath. Put up, please, would you, yes text number there. Because this has been such an amazing blessing to people. So many people have done this. 488 is the number. You know, people do that all hours of the day and night. We get those texts come in from people saying, I want to follow Jesus. I want to allow Christ into my life. I want to trust God. And all they do is text yes. One of the good things about our, I'm not trying to brag on it, just to let you know, it doesn't go to some Microsoft program. It doesn't go to some Google or Elon Musk or anybody else, all the tech gurus. It's our church. We do it. And if you text yes, then the next morning at seven o'clock in the morning, 
you get a, a Bible verse and a prayer that'll help you to start knowing how to pray. You get that every day for 30 days. You can opt out any time you like and we'll honour it. We don't write and ask people for anything. The only other thing we've ever done is say, by the way, water baptism's coming up. 